touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, you know, it's with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs and uh, third highest scoring Super Bowl in NFL history. Uh, the Chiefs come back from a 10 point halftime deficit. Um, Patrick Mahomes cemented his legacy. I'm really stuck, though, Nick. I, and I was thinking about on the drive home from the office um, where you and I were to, to kind of cover and watch this game. I wasn't sure whether to, to make this to start off with it as a Patrick Mahomes appreciation podcast an Andy Reid appreciation podcast or a Brett Veach appreciation podcast. So I'll just leave it up to you. Where do you want to start? Where do you, who do you want to give the flowers to first, sir? All of them. They want a Super Bowl again. <laughs> give them all whatever boxes of chocolates because Valentine's day is coming up. I don't care. Whatever you want to give them, they can have it. You want a key to the city? Here's three. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, there was, a. Uh, a manly shout of yes when uh, when Jalen Hurts's pass um, fell woefully short of of anyone uh, on the final play of the game there, um, and I, I mean, I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure it came from Nick Jacobs in the sports department. Why would you think such a reckless thing? Well, mostly because the other people that were back there were were uh, um, they were gals with. They were already uh, set, they were already up on set, Todd. Well, I, see, I didn't even realize that. They just uh, they they don't have as much bass in their voice. That's all. Well, I'm sorry that I uh, that you can distinguish uh, my 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 <laughs> deep baritone. Is that what it's called? I don't um, know. I'm not good at yeah. that type of stuff. Well, tenor or bass, whatever, whatever it is. I you know no, I'm no in, treble. May let out a second of joy. I'm sorry. I yeah, was no, quiet yeah. most of the game back there. Well, yeah, I know, but I see. I was telling. I was telling my uh, my wife who brought me some uh, some salsa and some pigs in a blanket um, and some buffalo chicken dip and celery at halftime um, um, because she wanted. When I told her what we had to eat, she would yeah. she took it upon herself to bring me uh, Super Bowl snacks at halftime because she wanted me to have more Super Bowl snacks. Um, mm-hmm. But I was telling her that um, I was like, Nick's always nervous watching games, even if it's against Sister St. Mary of the Poor in like late October. You never um, know, man. Sister St. Mary's, they've got, right. you know, they've got some stars on their team, okay? Right. I mean, they're, they're, they've been tailback you in the past. Um but uh, I, I was like, you know, I mean, when you get the Super Bowl and all those kind of things and um, and you know what this game means for the legacies of Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid and, and things like that, um, I was like, it kind of puts, uh, puts that uh, anxiety on steroids for Mr. Nick Jacobs. Look, I mean, I mean, part of it's that for me, but I mean, part of it was also <clears throat> there, there's like different layers to it. The first layer is like. I don't know if Brett Veach sometimes gets the gets the credit that he deserves for the way he weaves this wa- roster together chemistry-wise and kind of complements one another and kind of balances it with leadership, but also all of it. And I think the biggest thing is between him and the scouting department and the coaching staff is they just have this level of trust and they and they know their process and they respect their process and they let it unfold. It's not like a knee-jerk reaction like a lot of people have gotten used to with the whole debate era of sports television that wants to debate for hours on end and somebody's terrible one week and elite the next week and things of that nature. When that also happens on social media, whenever you or I may tweet something out and we're not talking about who that players is a person or who they're going to be or what they're going to be. It's just, they had that one play in that one moment. And like you and I see it that way, but other people are like, you know, people just take stuff to the extreme sometimes. And like, you know, it's either all in or all out. No, I mean, it's a, it's a process for everybody, but I mean, look, you know, with what the national media, the, I mean, some people don't, some people in this do the national media was coming hard after the chiefs this year, especially this past week, super bowl wise. I mean, they, they, they were pretty, they were pretty relentless and, and how 
how how much they were talking up the Eagles because look, I mean that's just kind of in in a lot of ways like we talked about it before. The national media has just gotten bored with the Chiefs. You know, I mean the New England Patriots fans probably dealt with this a while, then um, and then you know they they got used to it and it just you kind of become numb to it at some point. But you know, I mean, there's just it, it's just like the quarterback debate throughout this year. I mean, you know, and, and then Mahomes has these moments like, you know, playing on the, on the high ankle sprain in the Jaguars game. And then in those moments in the Bengals game in the Super Bowl, he literally played an entire playoffs with a, with a high ankle sprain. Yeah. He had one good, he had one healthy quarter. He had one healthy quarter. And he was lights out during that time before that. Right. So like, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just like, the, like this, this just took Patrick Mahomes to a level where if anybody, and it's going to happen, but when national media starts this whole cycle up again next year, like you're going to be like, stop. Like I, I get, you're trying to get clicks and you're trying to do this and do that. But man, like he already proved himself. Andy Reid proved himself. Brett Beach proved himself. The chiefs roster proved themselves. Just stop talking. Well, there, this is much more of a hot take era than it was in 2000 you know, one to 2007 when, you know, Tom Brady was establishing himself, um, as, as the goat. Um, so I, I think that that feeds into it, right? Like everybody, everybody wants to have the hottest, freshest take and, you know, be the, be able to say, Oh yeah, I, I, I called, you know, the demise of the chiefs and the demise of Patrick Mahomes like long ago, but yeah, it's easy to forget that this season started with the chiefs trading Tyreek Hill and the rest of the AFC West loading up, trading for Russell Wilson, signing, uh, you know, or make, you know, making trades uh, for Khalil Mack, right? Bringing in Josh McDaniel, which I mean, he'd already failed once in the AFC West, but you know, I mean, he w- he was a uh, you know new hotness all over again on the coaching market uh, and stuff like that for for Mark Davis and the Raiders. I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, they they they. Went out and got Chandler Jones and traded for Devontae Adams. I mean, everybody loaded up to come at the Chiefs, and everybody, like they have for a couple of years, wanted to to be the ones to to coronate, you know, whether it's Justin Herbert or or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, that they're going to have their moment. Um, and at the end of the day, um, it's Patrick Mahomes uh, who stands tallest once again. Um, and, and look, the numbers aren't. Lights out, right? 21 to 27 for 182 yards. Um, but three touchdowns, no interceptions, six carries for 44 yards. But he did what he does, which is in the biggest moments, he makes the most important plays consistently and and does it in a way that that other that other guys just can't do it. Um I mean, this was one of the gutsiest performances, I thought, uh, of Patrick Mahomes' career. He's now one of six guys, six guys in the history of the NFL with multiple Super Bowl MVPs, um, you know, on his on his career resume. Um, He was barely out of diapers the last time somebody won the MVP and then backed that up by winning the Super Bowl. It was, it was 1999. I mean, Pat literally was like three years and, you know, five months old the last time it happened. Uh, and it was another quarterback in Missouri, by the way, because the Rams were still in St. Louis at the time. Um, but it's 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 pretty incredible what what he's been able to do in such a short amount of time. You know, and now Andy Reid's one of 14 coaches who've won multiple Super Bowls, you know. Patrick Mahomes is one of 13 quarterbacks who's won multiple Super Bowls, but you're right. Brett Veach is the one who is kind of the unsung hero. Um, Canary, the Canarius Tony trade was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was not lost on me. The trade that they didn't make to bring in an overpriced veteran cornerback in James Bradbury, who ends up committing the holding penalty at the end of the game that allowed the chiefs to run out the clock. Um, and it was ironic because there's other, you know, in, a, in an alternate universe where Brett Veach isn't the GM, um, you know, John, maybe John Dorsey maybe goes and makes that trade for James Bradbury um, and everything plays out different. But uh, you're right. Brett Veach and company, they just uh, have a way of putting the team together, you know, bringing Juju Smith Schuster in. I mean, there's so many guys that played a big role tonight. Haven't even mentioned the the run game, the offensive line, the, the job they did in the second half, kind of a, like imposing their will in some ways. Um, but, um, 
it was it was an impressive performance. Um, and it's it's it once again it it kind of speaks to you can never count the Chiefs out. Um, you know, even when they're struggling, um, when they've got Patrick Mahomes on the field, even at 65, 70%, you just can't count them out. Yeah. I mean, it's just Patrick Mahomes is a way to get people to believe. And Andy Reid's got a calmness about a calmness about him that players kind of just seem to kind of thrive off of. So the, the two of them together are just this stabilizing, calming presence that has a way of always pushing the bar to the necessary level that they need to, but just never getting into that panic mode, never getting into that, that, you know, that frenzy mode. And, and it's just that those two have just been, those two can weather a lot of storms and, and, and the chiefs did throughout the season and, and, and what the chiefs did this season prepared them for that super bowl game. The ups, the downs, you know, the having the resiliency that they had to have throughout the year at various times and had to have in that Super Bowl. Cause early on, the Eagles, you know, the Chiefs brought a physical presence in that Super Bowl. They were hitting hard early. They were physical. Yeah. They were thumping some people, especially Nick Bolton. And I mean, and then along the, you know, and then the uh, defensive line was kind of getting knocked off the ball and some double teams, but they, you know, but they, they had their wins and their losses to throughout the game and, in each rep and in each in each thing, but they, they just kept battling back. I mean, the fact that that defense is out there 20 plus minutes in the first half, you know, most defenses fold like a tent, you know, there towards the end of the, but before halftime and in the second half, but that chief's defense didn't, they just kept, they just kept battling back and the chief's offense wasn't on the field a lot during that first half, but they, you know, scored every drive in the second half and just, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's just really impressive that the resiliency that this team had, and it's just kind of funny because sometimes you and I, some of the most talented teams that they had that should have, you know, that you think should go to, uh, yeah, 95. To, yeah. Like it, it's just, I don't know. It just, it, it blends well together. And that in the 2019 team, you know, I mean, that was uh, look here and I, and I know Mahomes got to ask this question, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll say it this way. That 2019 team, I mean, it was uncharted territory. It was a big moment for them. I know there's only a handful of guys left on their roster from this one, but this one to have as many youthful guys and rookies as they did, and it just—I'm just telling you, man. I mean, that's that's really where I come come away really, really excited. Is the Pacheco's, the Trent McDuffie's, the Joshua Williams, the Jalen Watsons, the Leo Chanals, those guys of the world getting that taste of what. Mahomes and Andy Reid and everybody's talking about what you're building up to, what you're trying to accomplish. They all got to experience it at the highest level. And guess what? They're all, they're, they're already all Super Bowl champs a year into the league for the rest of their life. They're Super Bowl champion. Know what a Lombardi trophy is like, know what a media night's like, just know everything combined. And just having that foundation for the next handful of years, I think that's, what's going to be really fun and special. And like, you know, Sky Moore getting the touchdown tonight, Kadarius Tony getting the touchdown tonight, they will always have that moment where they scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl for the rest of their life. I mean, that that's in Pacheco got a touchdown, you know, yeah. and given some of the, you know, from, from us having the, their, their high school coaches on what Pacheco had gone through losing two siblings the way that he did. Like I saw how emotional he was on the field afterwards. And like, you know, I mean, there was, dude, there was a, there was one play, man. I'll, I'll end up showing an eye in the sky this week where he sold out completely like Jarek McKinnon would, you know, Jarek McKinnon rubbed off on him. And he laid out Joshua Sweat on Orlando Brown's side in this chip where Mahomes ended up taking off on that big run. And it was because Pacheco bought Patrick enough time to be able to make that decision and, and, and take off. But Pacheco sold out and just leaped into the end. It just took him out. And I'm just like, I'm like, man, dude, like that, that's like Jerick McKinnon and like him seeing McKinnon do that rubbed off on him. And this, you know, the way Frank Clark kind of, mentored, you know, Carloftis uh, this, this year, like that's going to pay dividends down the road. And I mean, you know, Frank's going through emotional time or losing a family member. So, I mean, all those things combined, like it just, there was a lot of guys that led the younger guys that this run, this postseason run is going to help them three to four years down the road, whether, you know, wh whether whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Sky Moore in there too, you know, cause, uh, Look, he, he, you talk about adversity. 
mm-hmm. a guy who struggled, the guy who frankly had a disappointing rookie season, but then biggest punt return of the year or, you know, his best punt return of the year in a key moment, in the AFC championship game, and then a big touchdown um, in this one um, where, uh, you know, the, the Eagles just decided uh the, the, maybe they didn't think he was uh, eligible to receive a pass. I don't know. I, um, I'll tell you, I'll say this before you go for dude, that punt. I felt like it was a turning point in the game. When the Eagles decided to punt on that fourth and one to Tony, I, I felt well, like that's when the game turned. It was because that, that was, it was a bad punt. Um, a bad for, decision for, on the Eagles part. Well, it was, it, it was a, also a bad punt. It was 38 yards. Yeah. It was shanked. It was a little low. It, it gave Canarius Tony a chance to return it. Um, and he took advantage. Longest punt return in Super Bowl history, by the way, um, breaks the record set by uh, James Cromwell or something like that. Some some Denver Broncos player back in the Super Bowl Fifty uh, in two thousand six, January two thousand sixteen. Um, um, which I did. I would not have guessed that sixty five yards was the longest punt return. But there you go, Kadarius Tony's in the record books. But you know, again, we talk about all those rookie stuff like that. That's that that goes back to it. It's a credit to Veach for being able to bring in that kind of talent. It's a credit to Andy and his staff for being able to develop it, um, you know, and and to find a way to make it all work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I thought, I thought the the big moments in the game. Um, look, they're, they're, the Chiefs aren't even in the game if Nick Bolton doesn't get that scoop and score, uh, you know, um, because I and Juju Smith Schuster talked about it a little bit like, you know, he said after the Eagles went down, got the touchdown, the offense was real fired up to kind of match it. Right. And they did. Then the defense gets a stop. The offense gets rolling and Butker hits the upright. And, and that, I think that took the steam out of the offense a little bit, you know, um, next thing, you know, you know, instead of being up 10, seven, they're down, you know, now they're down 14 to seven or instead of being up 10, seven, they're down 14, seven, then they go three and out and it just all of a sudden, um, you know, it, it, everything became harder, um, you know, and then Nick Bolton making the play that he did. Um, that's the first defensive touchdown the chiefs have ever had in the super bowl. First touchdown by a Mizzou player ever in a super bowl. And it came at, at a huge moment. I mean, it, you know, um, we talked about how w- against this RPO game and against this defense, Nick Bolton was going to have to do Nick Bolton things like set the tone, like diagnose plays, make plays in open space. And, and, you know, and he did that, you know, he, 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 he did that and in spades. Um, And, you know, I mean, I think that those moments help keep it afloat. And then of course, when you're not quite sure how Pat's ankle is going to, going to react after he gets hurt there. And, and they, once again, like, botched, you know, a late quarter drive and ended up giving up more points, um, late in the, you know, giving up another field goal, just like they did against the Bengals the week before it didn't look great, but the chiefs came out. Pacheco was a, was a, a, a man among other, you know, a man among men, um, you know, and they established the run, they got things going. We have kind of talked about how there Andy needs sometimes to, you know, play that kind of bully ball. Um, and we hadn't seen it a whole lot, but they only gave the Eagles three drives in the second half. They kind of tur- flipped the script on the Eagles in the second half. Um, and it paid off, you know, I mean, um, when they got that touchdown and got back in it, got the stop and then Tony got the touchdown and the punt return all of a sudden, you know, I mean, everything changed right there because the, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the, and the chiefs just refused to go away. And that defense did enough. Yeah. I, when I kind of rewind this game in my head a handful of times, I, I thought the Chiefs did really well defensively. Now, I know it was, they weren't perfect and flawless, but I thought they did really well defensively containing that read option compared to a lot of teams that have gone against the yeah. Eagles this year. I mean, how physical they were, the way they scraped sometimes, the way they contain, just the discipline that they collectively showed. I mean, there were some gaps here and there that cost them and Hurts made them pay. But at the end of the day, it was really only Jalen Hurts that was making them pay with his athletic ability. And by the way, I do want to say Jalen Hurts had a fantastic, incredible, incredible, like, he, man. like, like I hope, like, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him to, you know, to win a Super Bowl someday, just based on that type of performance. You, like it was, you it was can amazing make a case. 
you could make a strong case that even in the loss, he deserved to be the MVP of that game. Um, yeah, I could see that because that, I mean, <clears throat> they, they averaged 3.6 yards a carry. I mean, they had 115 yards on, on 36 carries, 15, 15 carries for 70 yards, which is a, a Super Bowl record for a quarterback came from Hertz. I mean, they got nothing. They, they had 17 carries for 45 yards um, from their, their running backs combined. I mean, they weren't able to, you know, they, they kept making a big deal of those third and one, fourth and one, the quarterback sneak plays, but um, they, the Eagles weren't hurting the chiefs on the ground. Like l- frankly, like I thought they would. Um, and Jalen hurts. The shoulder looked better than I thought it would too, man. Well, yeah. I mean, what I'll say is he, AJ Brown, Smith, and Dallas Goddard bailed him out on a handful of throws that sure, they but he used freakish in the vicinity. with freakish athletic ability that like the way they stretched out on some of those and like that AJ Brown touchdown, that was off a lot more than people realize. But AJ Brown's yeah. such a freakish athlete that he was able to to turn it into a touchdown and and the way Dallas Goddard did some of the stuff he did in the Super Bowl there. And, and, and like I said, Smith, I mean, those guys, when he wasn't passing to any, to those three guys, they had a lot of, they had a lot of problems, you know, they, they just weren't able to effectively routinely move the ball. And I, I could tell, I can tell his shoulder still bothering him, but yeah. he gritted through it and, and showed a level of toughness that, you know, I mean, he, if he, if he goes into another Super Bowl, and we'll see how things go with how much of their coaching staff, they're getting ready to lose. Uh, this this week, I mean, we'll see if they're able to get back there and what they do. But I, I, there's a ton of problems there with Jalen Hurts and what he can be on the NFC side of over there. He's he could be a problem. He could be a threat for years to come if they have a competent and quality coaching staff surrounding them. Yeah, you just and and I, I you just hope that he he has a little bit more injury or more luck with injuries than say a Lamar Jackson or somebody like that. Um, well, and, but that's the problem with running quarterbacks, man. You got a shelf life of being, and this goes for Josh Allen too. You've right. got a shelf life of being able to be that physical for four years, max. After that, you got to start developing into more of a pocket passer. Otherwise you're going to start having the injuries that Lamar is starting to have on a regular basis. Josh Allen's going to have him if he keeps testing the way that he is. And like they just they're not gonna have the longevity. And then that's when they start to go downhill like Cam Newton did. So I mean, like yeah. that's a decision that's that each athletic quarterback has to make. But for Hertz, with the way he runs at read option and he gets exposed that much, like in a couple of years, man, he needs a scheme that's gonna protect him and and allow him to kind of be more of a Mahomes style in terms of being able to take off and use his legs, but not have to run read option every time. You know, yeah. to kind of to kind of make that happen and be that unpredictable. Yeah, and that's where I mean that's why it was smart for them. I mean, they put some weapons around. They went and made the trade for AJ Brown. You know, they drafted Devontae Smith high. I mean, you know, Dallas Goddard's there and and you know, they feature him, you know. Uh I mean he's not Travis Kelsey, but they, you know, they they feature him like the Chiefs do Travis Kelsey um as as a key part of the offense. Um, I think they've done a good job surrounding him with, him with weapons. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the offensive and, line too. They did a good job getting right. And, and he's, he's a guy, I, I don't think he's quite the unicorn that Patrick Mahomes is. So he's a guy who probably needs more help um, to, you know, so it's more, they can all play at the same level as opposed to Patrick Mahomes who we saw. I mean, he just, he has a way of elevating guys, you know, when they need to, I mean, this today, I thought it was Justin Watson who had a couple big plays, you know, in the AFC championship game, it was Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, you know, and, and even Marcus Kemp, uh, you know, and there in the fourth quarter, um, I really thought one of the unsung heroes too of this game was, was Juju Smith Schuster, because I, you know, I, I mentioned it on the last a couple weeks ago, but he was not walking well, uh, coming off the field in the AFC championship game. Um, you know, I figured I, I'm, I am not sure if there had not been that extra bye week with pro bowl weekend. I am not sure whether Juju Smith Schuster would have been, he probably would have tried to suit up, but I'm not sure if he would have been effective. 
yeah. um, in that game. Uh, same for Kadarius Tony, quite frankly. And and so once again, the Chiefs, uh, you know, athletic training staff did yeoman's work to get those guys, um, you know, David Glover and Julie Freimeyer and, and some of the other assistant athletic trainers under Rick Burkholder uh, did a good job, you know, getting some guys healthy, getting some guys ready. But, you know, Smith Schuster had seven catches for 53 yards, but there was that one drive where he had four catches for, you know, 40 something yards and, and he was the offense. Um, you know, and it was great to see because he, he got a little banged up. Um, you know, he's working on that one year deal. Um, but you know, he, he came to Kansas city because after Ben retired, he wanted a chance to chase a ring. Um, and he got what he wanted, you know, and we'll, we'll talk down the road, certainly in, in subsequent podcasts here, as we move into the off season about, you know, guys, we, we think they should resign or guys that they may have to move on to. Cause it's that time of year. But, uh, um, I thought Juju put in some a yeoman's work today. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, we'll, I mean, for him, I mean, for him, he accomplished what he wanted to, he got the ring, he got to experience all that. He has experience in post his first postseason win, a postseason run. Same for Justin Reed. Same for Carlos Dunlap. Dunlap has been chasing that championship. Finally got it, and how excited right. he was on stage to, ho- to ho- hoist that Lombardi Trophy. And, 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 these, and yes, McKinnon too. And like nine I mean, years in the league, yeah. And and all these guys, I'm excited for them to have their moment with the hard with the work that they put in over the years, not just this year, but over the years to get to this moment, um, for them to get to experience a parade for the first time. Yeah. A championship parade. I'm excited for all of them to get to experience that and kind of get that moment. And in, in, in a way, as people like to say, get their flowers. So like, yeah. you know, like they, they've all earned that. They deserve that opportunity. So, I mean, and, and like, look, I mean, for me, Andrew Wiley played, played out of his mind in that game. Like he didn't get as much help as Orlando Brown did on the other side. And, the, the amount of times he's going against Reddick and like he, like he he handled his own. There's one time where he buried him on one of Mahomes' runs when they're in the second or third quarter. I can't remember. But I know the field side they were going to, but just absolutely, just buried him in the ground. And then he hopped on him again. Like he let him up and then hopped on him again. Yeah. Mahomes is taking off for a run inside and Pacheco ended up scoring touchdowns. So that was third quarter. But yeah, no, it was it was just awesome to see. And I mean. I know he's had his ups and downs and struggles and people were talking for weeks about him and how he was going to struggle against the speed of Reddick and he didn't. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. I think they took it personally and, and I don't think it was lost on the offensive line, how the, the Super Bowl 55 went a couple years ago. Um, and, and look, I mean, the, the national narrative was that the Eagles have a better roster top to bottom and they're better in the trenches, right? Like their their offensive line is going to impose its will on the Chiefs' defensive line, and the you know the Chiefs' offensive line's overrated, and will have trouble holding holding up uh, against uh, you know against Patrick Mahomes. Who, by the way, how many times was he sacked? Yes, I know he's sacked zero times. Right. I mean, uh, he didn't get, he, he didn't get sacked, you know, I mean, you know, even the time, even when he hurt his ankle, it was, you know, um, he, you know, he was scrambling cause they, it was good coverage downfield. Um, <clears throat> but just, uh, salty performance, I thought all around. And one thing I do want to touch on, where do you, what does this do now? for Andy Reid, Okay. I mean, Bill Belichick still got the six Super Bowls. you know, Chuck Knowles got four, right? Bill Walsh and, and Joe Gibbs have three, um, you know, but he joined the likes of, of Don Shula and Tom Landry and Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells and, you know, and Vince Lombardi and those guys with multiple, uh, Lombardi's, um, and, uh, I was never buying the, the, report that he was retiring after this game <laughs> yeah it wasn't really it wasn't so like I, I mean, yeah. when i saw it i was i was like i was like it's not really i mean i think andy's considered retiring like for several i think he's always like he, he knows he's getting that age i i i i 
it's hard for me to see him walking away from Pat from prime Patrick Mahomes when he's still having fun with him right now. I think if, if, you know, if, if it was a difficult season, um, in terms of working with Pat or something, or if that relationship was different, I think Andy would walk away. I don't think, I think Andy's having too much fun right now to walk away. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I, I was never really worried about the, about the jump to conclusions that were happening from how he phrased it. Um, allegedly with what Jay Glazer was putting out there. And yeah. I, I don't doubt Jay Glazer one bit, but people were keen on certain words that made them think that, well, that means he's, that means he's giving it up. I'm like, no, he's just, yeah. he's just being, he's being a little smart with you right now. You guys just don't realize it. And he's like, yeah, I'm not getting any younger. Okay. That doesn't yeah. mean, that doesn't mean that he's walking away from it. It just means he's like, yeah, I mean, technically he's not wrong. He's not getting younger. You know, he's not Benjamin button. Um, so I don't know. It just, that'd be funny. Yeah. Like if he regressed to baby Andy Reed, that is that is certainly uh, a storyline movie. The image uh, the image of baby Andy Andy Reid just makes me chuckle. So uh Can you imagine him in that Rams punt pass and kick uniform coaching in Super Bowl 72? <laughs> All right, uh, No, I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have made a comparison like that. This is getting off the rails. I'm at the point where I almost didn't even remember what I was saying. Um, but no, I think you were talking about Chad Henney retiring. I was not, but I mean, that's, <laughs> that's more news that, that definitely came out there. And along with McCole Hardman's uh, significant other being in labor and Nick Allegretti, his twin daughters being born today. So, I mean, it's quite an exciting day uh, for the Kansas city chiefs and chiefs kingdom. So, I mean, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in, but no, I mean, personally, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't see Andy stepping away right now. I'd be surprised if he did. <laughs> right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Like, why? Why would he do that? They they just won a Super Bowl without the speed at receiver you would think it would normally take, or a big physical, routinely jump ball guy like a T Higgins style or Jamar Chase style of receiver. Just won a Super Bowl without having that, without having an insanely fast, you know, running back like like Jamal Charles or, or type, they made it work with what they had roster-wise, and that's not meant to be mean. It's just like they found a way to make the pieces complement one another, and they took full advantage of it. I mean, you know, I mean, it, here here's the other thing I do want I do kind of want to touch on from the game. I felt like, and people can tell me I'm wrong on this, but I felt like the only reason this game was close as it was and was quote-unquote the classic that people are trying to frame it as was purely because of the effectiveness of the Eagles on third and short and the fourth downs mm-hmm. that they went for it. Like that's the only like if they if they punted a handful of those times or didn't convert some of those thirds, I think the Chiefs run away with that game, like the 49ers game earlier this year. And it, you know, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are, you know, have 40 points on the board. Look, they end up having 38. And I know that that sounds silly what I'm saying, but I, I think they they would have hung 48 to 50 without a problem, just the way that offense was attacking and the way they went about it. Because like we talked about in the previous podcast, I mean, the Chiefs use motion to perfection, especially down in the red zone there, especially inside the 10-15, the way they use the motion and like the, the <laughs> had wide open touchdowns based off of it, and yeah. the way they kind of attacked with some of their trips formations. Like there was a lot there for the taking and the Chiefs took every bit of it. And then on top of it, they had a, they had a solid ground game all day long. I, I remember thinking at one point, in that game, like I think Greg Olson was, uh, you know, or whoever was making a, a big deal about the Eagles go, you know, Oh, you can tell they're going to go for it on fourth down by the third down call. And they're just imposing it. And I was, uh, yeah, and they made it sound like, Oh my gosh, the chiefs had never faced this. And I was like, guys, did you guys watch Brandon Staley last year at all? I mean, this isn't the first time that a, a, a team has aggressively gone for it on fourth down. Harbaugh uh, used to as well. You remember early on with the well, Ravens? That's what I'm saying. It, and it's yeah. not even just Brandon Staley. There's The Ravens have done this in, in yeah. the past. Like th- This has been going on for four or five years. The Chiefs defense and Steve Spagnuolo understand that this is coming. They were prepared for it. They just, when, you know, when they got in those you know third and one, fourth and one situations, they couldn't stop it. 
but, uh, but let, nobody let, has stopped it in those situations. So, you know, I, I, it was, I get that it's, it was frustrating to watch as a fan maybe, but you know, when they'd get in those situations, I was like, eh, not a whole lot they can do. I was actually really glad. Like the one time they tried to run that pitch and it got strung out to the sideline. You know, I was, I was like, yeah, do more of that. I'll take my chances with that over the, over the QB sneaks in those situations. Cause short of stepping back and then like stomping all over the lines back as you go to tackle. I don't, I don't know how you stop it. Well, Chris Jones came close when he just said, screw it and leaped over. Right. And he hit hurts like head on and hurts was strong enough with, with his, with his uh, squat strength to be able to power through it. I mean, that, that dude's a strong, he's a strong dude. Um, but no, I, I just, I, that, I was really stunned when they punted to Tony that time on the, on the fourth and short. I was like, they're not going for it here. Oh, okay. I, and then I was happy I, the I, chiefs made them pay for it. I'm like, all right, now you give the chiefs control of this game. And I mean, even if, even if you go down and score like the, the back and forth is still going to be there. And the other part that I, that, that I was ecstatic about, and I put on Twitter there was like, I was okay with luxurious Sneed. Like if you're going to, if they're going to score in the drive, that's fine. If it gives, I, I know he wasn't trying to give up a big play, but I'm like, that's fine, man. With the way this offense is performing right now and how effective they are and how they're, how they've got this defense's number and what they're trying to do. Like, that's completely fine, man. Like take those five minutes oh. and run the clock down completely. Go for it. I, and, then I, I honestly, we, and then when McKinnon stopped short of the end zone, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. There you go. I, 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 I was the same way. Cause I was like, I was like, there is no, um, like even when they got the two point conversion, when, when Hertz ran it in to tie it, I, there was, I wasn't sitting there like, oh man, we're heading to overtime. I was, I was like, well, are the chiefs going to get a touchdown or are they going to get a field goal and leave time on the clock? And we're going to be white knuckling this last drive. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's why that third and eight was so critical. And I know there's all these, I hate this idea that like the official should have like kept the flag in his pocket no, because it no. was late in the game and you don't want to decide the game. He, he grabbed James Bradbury grabbed Juju Smith Schuster twice and just, and, and prevented him on two different occasions from scoring from the touchdown. having the, <laughs> From having the ability, yeah, from having the ability to either convert a first down or to get that touchdown, and that it's a penalty and it it needs to be called no matter what the game situation is. Just because it's late and close doesn't mean that the defense should suddenly get to mug the other team. And look, I've seen enough games where Orlando Skandrick or Bashad Breeland were you know, we're, we're getting called for those penalties or you know, I'm thinking about a Raiders game a couple of years ago. And I, I, you know, where there were like, you know, it was very much like the Super Bowl last year where there were 18 penalties called just to give the Raiders a chance to finally finish the chiefs off. No. Um, you know, I like that play needs to be called and to James Bradbury's credit. He said it absolutely yeah. was, was a penalty. I grabbed him. I was hoping they wouldn't call it and they'd let me get away with it, but they didn't. And it was a flag. But as soon as that happened, you knew that the game was over because they'd be able to bleed the clock. But you got to love Jarek McKinnon because he, you know, it would have been a great story to tell your grandkids about that time you scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, right? Um, it's a cooler story than than sliding at the two. But having said that, if you score the touchdown, they go down and tie it and you lose it in overtime, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. even cooler to be able to say I'm the Super Bowl champion and that play gear pretty much guaranteed it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's, it's a lot cooler to be able to show a photo of you with a Lombardi trophy and, right. and the, and the ring that you earned instead. So like he chose team over individualism in that moment. And like, he's I mean, part I would, of it. I would like to think they'd have still won the game. <laughs> But his unselfishness there made sure that they won the game. So. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a little there's a little piece that I think is going to come from that game. Um, twofold. Uh, talking about the look. I mean, I, I get the refs calling it. Like, I mean, you know, the holding penalty there at the end. But the kicker was for people that are upset about that. One of the Chiefs' drives got stalled when Juju got just yanked over the middle. 
mm-hmm. on that on a third down. And if he catches that, maybe the Chiefs go down and score instead of punting on that drive. So it just kind of evened out when that one didn't get called, but this one got called later in the game. It, it evened out. I mean, people may think, well, that the big moment and everything. Yeah, but the Chiefs may score earlier in the game where that moment doesn't matter if that gets called correctly earlier in the game. Right. Or or you know, maybe the Chiefs don't don't give up the field goal late in that half because the you know, the time the time of possession situation had been different and the Chiefs are up three points in that situation anyway. I mean, yeah. um that's I always hate the the well, you know, you know, it, it's like it's like you don't know what would have happened if if things had been called a different way. And it, you know, um it's always funny to me that, you know, it's always like the best case scenario, right? Well, but this, this would have happened. Absolutely. And it's like, eh, but you know, okay. No, no. The other thing I do think will come out it's throughout this entire season, but I think the Eagles is where the biggest stage of it happened. I think the competition committee in the off season is going to ban the pushing, uh, pushing teammates from behind forward on those short yarded situations. I think that's going to end up either becoming a penalty or being something that they completely wipe out from being able to happen in the future. I, I think that's coming, whether it comes this year or in a couple of years, it's, it's getting to a point now where teams are kind of bending it a little bit to where I, I think that the league's going to be like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. I did. Uh, um, I did briefly think that it would be ironic if the game went to overtime the Eagles scored a touchdown and then Patrick Mahomes got the ball anyway, all because of the Fuhrer over. Yeah. That would have been <laughs> I was, I was like, wouldn't it be ironic? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would have gotten a kick out of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, all right. But before we wrap up with a couple housekeeping items, um, you know, I, there's different theories on this. You know, people talk about like, oh, you got to win three to call a team a dynasty or whatever. I don't buy that. Um, you know, I think you've got to win multiple championships. Like, I don't think the the Braves of the 1990s can call themselves a dynasty. They had a great run, but they only got one championship. I mean, they I don't I don't look at them and say that team dominated that that era of football, right? Like, I think that the the level of domination is, is more, you know, is, is a bigger deal than the number. Um, so the chiefs have two titles, you know, lost, uh, lost another super bowl and have hosted the AFC championship game, losing two other times in overtime there. Do you, is this a dynasty? Can you officially call this a dynasty here? Here's my argument on this. And it's not in, in for or against it's just, since night, I put it on Twitter. Since 1993, there's only four coaches that have won two championships um, during the salary cap and, and current free agency era. So when people want to argue the Niners of the 80s and the Steelers of the 70s and you know and the Cowboys of the early 90s, part of it was they had the benefit of free agency not being what it is. They, you know, and, and the NFL put the salary cap in in early 1994. Free agency began more early March of 93. So from that point, you know, and that's right after the Cowboys had won their second title in a row, I think, or with Jimmy Johnson. So, I mean, the kicker of it is, is like they didn't have to battle the same way the modern era does from 90, you know, from 94 on. So what Mike Shanahan and the Broncos did with their back-to-back championships, that's still insanely impressive. Um, what Bill Belichick and Tom well, Brady did slight, together. Slightly less impressive because they were violating the salary cap um, along the way there. <clears throat> they still accomplished it, Tom. They still can't take the titles away from them. Uh, well, I mean, you could put an asterisk by it, but the NFL decided not to do that. They um, just slapped them on the wrist and hoped it would quietly go away. And it did. But I have not forgotten Nick Jacobs. And it did until I, you brought I will it up. Never forget. And it did until you brought it up. Good job. Tom. Listen, all I'm saying is my brother Mike has to live with the fact that his championships are tainted by the Broncos stinking cheating. Okay. That's it. That's all. I, I feel like Mike's not clearly care. above reproach. <laughs> I feel like Mike's not gonna care. I still won the championships. Uh, uh, but anyways, probably. 
Yeah, no, no, probably to it. <laughs> that, that that's no. fair, but but we've got you know he doesn't have any lately. Well, either way, so you have the Broncos. They did it. You know, Bill Belichick did it. Um, you know, six times with Brady. Magically hasn't done it before or after. <laughs> um, and then you know you had Tom Coughlin when he did that in 07, and then also again either eleven or twelve, one of the two. I can't remember right now. I have it in the tweet. Um, and then Andy Reid now, who did it, you know, who's gotten two titles. And since that salary cap era and in the current free agency era, those are the four coaches that have been able to do it. So if you want to call it a dynasty, you want to call it whatever you can, that's completely fine. But those are the four best coaches at navigating the waters and being able to, con- to perform at a consistent level of excellency. I mean, the Giants, you know, had – had a little bit of a more length between it than Belichick's did and then uh, Shanahan's did and Andy Reid's does. But still, I mean, those those guys had to play by a different set of rules than the, than the other eras had to. So, I mean, when people want to argue that and everything, that's completely fine, whatever. But, I mean, for me, that's what Andy Reid and the Chiefs have done is insanely impressive, especially with the way teams were gunning for him this year and, and not having Tyree kill and some of the other aspects and having some deficiencies on their roster that could have cost them and could have cost them against the Eagles. But man, that, that unity that they had and, and that they performed together was just, that was the difference maker. And I mean, you know, it, it was, it, it was just a really, really impressive performance. Yeah. The team chemistry on this, uh, this squad was unusual. And, and that's not something that you can necessarily plan for. And even right. if you do, it doesn't always work out. It worked out this year for the chiefs. But now they look, they're going to have a little salary cap money to play with. You know, they've got a lot of contributors on rookie rookie deals now. Um, I, 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 I think it'll be a fun off season with, uh, with what the chiefs can do. Um, and you know, there's always a few surprises in there, um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so I think that'll be coming. And, and look, I do think, um, the Chad Henney news is not insignificant. I don't think that it impacts, you know, whether I view the chiefs as a contender or not, but um, it does, it does change that quarterback room a little bit. Um, I think Pat is now a, a veteran doesn't necessarily need that veteran presence in there, but I think it's helpful. And I think he's used to having a guy in there that he can bounce ideas off of and talk to, you know, and, and things like that. So uh, the Chiefs are going to have to find a, you know, find a, a hole there because deservedly so. Uh, Chad Henney took his Bud Light and his second ring and rode off into the sunset. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's got a couple rings, so I mean, like you know, like I mean, he he did his part, and that's the other thing I'm going to say a little bit on. Like I know people were kind of mocking Melvin Gordon and some of the other guys about how they didn't earn their ring. What, what they don't realize is what some of those guys do on scout team week in and week out to help those guys get ready. They earn their rings as much as anybody else on that football team because of the work they put in on the, in the scout team. So like, that's, that's where I, I think people that don't understand how practices and kind of preparation work, just those guys earn their rings just as much as anybody else did, just as much as the training staff did with the work that they put in to get those guys healthy. Every, every single person in that franchise earned their ring and congratulations to them for it. Yeah. I, I mean, Part of me wonders if, like, if like Melvin Gordon wasn't like a stand-in for Jalen Hurts at times during practice. He, um, I can tell you, he was not. I there were some <laughs> others, and there were some others that uh, in the quarterback group that were Jalen Hurts uh, yeah. this week and some of their scout stuff. Um, last housekeeping item is uh, Eric Bieniemy, rumored to be. Uh, well, it's not rumor; it's, it's reported. Right, right, right. But well, yeah, reported to be, uh, you know, uh, I think it was Washington and, and Indianapolis are looking or not Indianapolis. So what, um, what Washington and Baltimore are the two right. where he'll likely have opportunities to be an assistant Offense head coach and OC. Yeah. Um, the Colts one is an official in terms of closed yet. And the Cardinals isn't officially closed yet, but with, with it was, I will say this, it was funny. The way it came out this morning, because uh, I don't know if I, well, I can't always... going to the Colts, I think so. Right. So what I was getting at 
is uh, on Twitter. It was funny how it came out this morning. So it gets put out that Vic Fangio has been helping the Eagles for the past two weeks and signed a two-week contract. That, that stuff's been known, and it's been reported since October that he was consulting with them. But then yeah. they make sure they put in an article. Well, he actually he didn't do that. He took vacation and all this stuff. And and I'm like I'm like okay, somebody's trying to somebody's trying to uh, to do a little spin here because they're trying to help somebody have a favorable look on some things. And then what do you know? An hour later, oh hey, this guy, the OC for the Eagles is uh, up for uh, for the Colts head coaching job. And oh hey, the defensive coordinators potentially going to interview with the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm like, yeah, that's why that Fangio story came out when it did. And that's why it was released at the same time by the two top national uh, reporters and put out in that way that it was, because it just set stuff up along the lines to work it all together. And they did a good job. Uh, what? Schefter and Rappaport reported something at the same time? Are you suggesting that there was someone out there who's feeding them information strategically, Nick? And told them to have an embargo till a certain time to put it out. What? Yeah. No way. No. I don't. I would never buy it. Um, no, I mean like that. That's very Surprise. common. Like, <laughs> right. Right. That's very common. Uh, people have their favorites. Um, like back when I was on the Mizzou beat before Mike Alden left as AD. Um, you always knew if Andy Katz got a Mizzou scoop, <laughs> it was because Mike Alden called him and told him. Oh, man, are you going to get our podcast in trouble and shut down right now? <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's just yeah, this is the way Todd, it works. people but, are supposed to reveal sources. OK, wait, what my source? <laughs> that's why I, I phrased it the way I did. People are supposed to reveal sources. It was like that. It was. Uh, we. I mean, it, it actually. Uh, for anybody listening right now, of a running uh, joke on the on the beat. For anybody listening right now, this is not a reflection of uh, Nick Jacobs of the Fourth and One podcast. This is all Todd Palmer on his own uh, from a legal perspective. No, it's fine. Um, none of none of them are in any position of anything anymore. But um, do you right. think? Do you think Eric Bieniemy? Um, look, I mean, because the last couple years he's been. He's had 14 or 15 head coaching interviews, didn't get any of the jobs, right? Uh, I think right. during the last three coaching cycles. Um, and, and we kind of talked about he he may end up having to go somewhere else and, and prove that he's got his own chops apart from Andy Reid. Is, is this the year that that happens? I mean, do you think he, he goes uh, and joins Ron Rivera or goes and joins, uh, you know, John Harbaugh? Um, you know, and, and tries to spread his wings, um, you know, as an OC, uh, in hopes that that is finally what gets him the head coaching job. Yeah, it's what he's gonna have to do. And I mean, for people that don't know, he uh parted ways with his previous agent, he's got a new agent that is a lot uh savvier, a lot more in tune with how to, how to work the you know, how to work things and get information out in the way that it needs to be done to try to sell their client properly. And so he's got a much better agent of being able to do that. Um, and on top of it, I, I think Ron Rivera accidentally kind of slipped up on, on a media row this week when I remade the comment that he's quote unquote heard through the grapevine that the uh, enemy would be interested in working with a defensive minded head coach. So right. they kind of told, I was like, gee, Ron, how'd you hear that? Do you know some coaches or have worked with some previous coaches on a staff? Hello? Where they, they would be able to be the grapevine for you on that? Um, Wait, who who did Ron Rivera get his start as a coordinator in the league under? I don't know, Tom. I'm going to let you answer that one. Uh, I mean, I, I thought we were talking about the Andy Reid tree. Yeah, but I th- but I, I'm pretty sure he was just a he was a position coach. Nah, that may be true. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That's why you threw me for a loop there. <laughs> yeah, 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 that may be true. But, but I mean, yeah, they've all, they all, you know, it's a good old boys network as far as that, that was Jim Johnson's world in Philly. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, obviously Ron Rivera comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. So um, Andy Reid, famously loyal, um, famously stays in touch with a lot of those guys. So to the shock of no one, um, they know a lot of the same people. Um, <clears throat> I, I wish Eric being me well, if he does decide to go that route, it's, it's the road he's going to have to go. If he wants to be a head coach, like, I mean, as I've talked about it before on Twitter and on here, like in some ways he's kind of paying the Pat Mahomes tax 
Like if he if he had done this with Alex Smith, like I, I think he would have already been a head coach by now. Somebody would have taken that chance, or if he'd done it with Chad Henney or something like that. Right, like because I, right. I, I, I think owners and some GMs are like, hey, I can't find a unicorn like Patrick Mahomes. Okay, that just falls in your lap. Okay, but if, but an Alex Smith, we got a lot of those in the league. Yeah, no, we can we can that that can keep our jobs. So and and like, is that fair to Eric Bieniemy? No, but the, I mean that's just kind of. That's just kind of the reality of the league is like you're you're gonna get punished for stuff that like is is that way. So I mean, Eric can go in, build a system, do what he's gonna do, kind of set his own tempo. And and, and in all honesty, like if he, I I honestly I, I keep leaning more and more towards Washington to where I think that's a really smart play because of the receivers he would have there. I just don't know what they're gonna have at quarterback. Like that's that's Sam Howell, baby. Sam Howell. No, I, <laughs> right. I'm hoping they have better for him if he goes there. And then well, if you look at the Carson Wentz, right? I hope they have. MVP. I hope they have better for him. Uh, but like Baltimore, like you, Lamar. Can you imagine I, I going just, from Pat Mahomes to that quarterback. It happens. Um, but like with Baltimore, I just don't. You know, I mean, Lamar's situation. I think is gonna. I think that's gonna be unique, and I wouldn't be stunned if he's not playing somewhere else if they can't meet on something financially. But at the well, same time, I mean, the run game's strong, but they're really not that great a receiver. And and I just don't know how much. No, but they do have ball. a they do have a Pro Bowl quarterback in Tyler Huntley. And I just don't know um, if if the guy from the Skills Challenge <laughs> can, <laughs> is the guy you want to hit your wagon to. Um, but no, I, I just don't know uh, Harbaugh. I don't know how things how steady things are for Harbaugh there. Not that they're any more steady for Ron Rivera. I just think I think there's I think there's a I just think the Washington situation gives B enemy more of an opportunity to really kind of flex and kind of showcase his ability and his physical style. I think it would fit really well there more so than I think Baltimore, not that Baltimore wouldn't. I mean, Hey, if they got Lamar Jackson, I mean, Hey, maybe, maybe that is a spot, but I, I think either one with both those guys being from the Andy Reid coaching tree, like, you know, B enemy is going to be taken care of and it's not going to be a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, uh, in some ways, I feel bad for him that it that it it's come down to that. But um, the the Chiefs will be fine if that's the way it goes because I think you've got you know Matt Nagy sitting there. Um, seems like a natural fit if Eric Bieniemy does move on. Um, you know, I know there might be something. I I've heard from some people who who think who kind of hope that Eric Bieniemy was the head coach in waiting for the Chiefs for when Andy Reid moves on. Um, I'm not sure how realistic that was. Um, and I'm not sure how soon Andy Reid's going to move on, so I'm not sure if that's uh, part of Eric Bieniemy's timeline anyway. Well, and here's what I would say for some of those people uh, for down the road type of aspect to it. If he does kind of get to go out and essentially kind of spread his wings somewhere else and then maybe becomes a head coach down the road while Andy's still coaching, he gets that on-the-job training and experience that maybe that makes him a more qualified candidate because he's been there, done that like Matt Nagy did by going to Chicago and got to kind of experience the head coaching aspect, the experience of it, of the days of the ins and outs of what goes into it. It could it, long-term, it could benefit significantly. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, it is late um, or early, depending on your perspective late for yep. me since I haven't gone to bed. Yep. Um, but uh, congratulations, chiefs kingdom. Enjoy your parade on Wednesday. Um, I'm not sure what all we can say about it, um, <laughs> but um, stay tuned to KSHB 41 News for more coverage of uh, the Chiefs and their championship. Okay. Well, they already put, they already publicly put out the. Oh, did they say that the, the graphic the, was on the? It was on the post game show. Okay. So they that we're airing the that we're airing the parade. <laughs> I mean, it was on it was on the post game show. So I mean, if it okay. went out publicly there, I was. I busy, think so. I you were literally a part of the web team that put out a push alert, dude. Yeah, but I wasn't the one who did the push alert. I don't know what to tell you, sir. All right, well, watch watch the parade on Channel Forty One if you can't be there. Okay, sounds good. All right. Well, uh, Nick, it's been fun. Um, and I hope everyone had a safe and enjoyable um, Chiefsmas. Uh, with that, take care, kids.